Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Amen. Well, let's find John's Gospel, chapter 16, please. And this evening, our message will be praying for results. Praying for results. John chapter 16, primarily verses 23 and 24. Our precious Father, we approach thy precious holy word with reverence and with humility. We respect thy holy word. We thank you that we can trust our lives to his provisions. Now, as the word goes forth in demonstration of the spirit and of power, I thank you that we shall be doers of that word and not hearers only. For our hearts are receptive, our ears are attentive, and our minds are open. And we purposely put ourselves into a position now whereby we will be able to receive from thy holy word. I bind every foul spirit and force of darkness that would endeavor to distract our attention from receiving from the holy words of life. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. And in that day, Jesus speaking of a new day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, or truly, truly. Whenever Jesus puts a truly in there, he's saying this is the truth. The Bible says knowing the truth would do what? Set you free. So this is truly, truly. A double truly means we need to really give it attention. Amen. I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name. Speaking of a new day, see, a new day. He will give it you. Hitherto or up until now have you asked nothing in my name. See, he's talking about a new day. In other words, up to this point, you've not prayed this way before. I taught you previously how to pray, but now I'm teaching you the new way. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Now let's look at another scripture. John chapter 15. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Let's look at John chapter 15 and verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask. Notice he said ask. Talking about prayer, see? Ask. He shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now, before we comment any further, let's just, uh, let me have your attention, and let's just make a few comments up here. I don't know about you. 
But I believe the Father wants us to have results in our prayer life. And I believe prayer is our privilege as a New Testament child of God to go before the Father's throne. Why? So that we could let Him know our need and expect Him to help us in our time of need. See, prayer is a privilege of the child of God. Well, if we're not getting results, we're not praying. You may spend a lot of hours in what we may think is prayer. But if you're not getting a result, it's not biblical prayer. Jesus said, ask. Isn't that prayer? And you shall what? See, prayer in, well, really it's an area in Christian experience where the majority of the believers, and when I say believers, I'm talking about, you know, in Christian them as a whole, have become very religious in their thinking. Very religious. It's one of the areas that we become very religious. We Pentecostals don't like to think of ourselves as being religious. But beloved, let's fess up and face up. In prayer, I'd probably say probably more than any other area, maybe except coming to church, we've become very religious in our thinking. And uh, for this reason, I believe, personally, this is my own personal observation, I believe that prayer has become more of a religious formality or a religious form than an invoking of the power of God or means whereby we invoke the power of God or supernatural intervention on our behalf to help us in the time of our need. I believe that it's become a religious formality a religious form instead of a means whereby we invoke God's supernatural intervention and find grace to help in our time of need so that the need in our life can be met. See, according to the New Testament, prayer is joining forces with God. Prayer is, according to the New Testament, joining forces with God. And... uh, The reason why we join forces with Him is so that we can carry out His purpose, His plan, and His will for our lives in the earth through prayer. It seems to me that God cannot really do much for us in this earth unless we pray. And if prayer is the avenue whereby the Father helps us in our time of need, then Prayer is not really consummated until your need or my need has been met, is it? Prayer is not a monologue. No. It's not just our talking to God. It's His responding unto us to show us what to do 
so that we could get the victory or gain results in our praying. Now, if we've not had our prayers answered, it's because I'm sure we've just made religious praying a part of our practice and part of our life. And we've neglected what true praying is all about, according to the Holy Word. And it amazes me how we can just settle back and relax and sit down and say, well, it didn't happen, but, you know, I'm just going to go on. And not even question God. Not even question the validity of our praying. Not even question why we didn't get an answer. Just go on. Well, it didn't work, but that's okay. Jesus, you know, didn't really mean what he said here in John fifteen seven. He was just trying to make up space between John fifteen six and John fifteen eight. He thought that sounded good right there, see. So he just put it in there and said, Well, if ye abide in me, my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. But ha ha, if you don't get an answer, I was just fooling. He didn't say that, did he? No. Well, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I know that apart from man's cooperation through prayer with God, God is limited in His ability to help us in this earth. For this reason, I believe it's of utmost importance that we as children of God learn how to pray. Not as a religious form, but as New Testament taught, not so that we can make much speaking, but so that we can accurately follow the principles of prayer laid out in God's Word so that we can gain results. It is my desire, if anything is accomplished in this one lesson tonight, it's my desire that we have instilled with inside our human spirit a fire within us that causes us to search our own hearts every time we pray so that we know that when we pray, we should have a result. And if we don't have a result, that fire will remain burning in us. And it'll never be quenched until we look up to heaven and say, Father, now why didn't it work? And instead of walking off and saying, Well, that's okay, let's try again next time. No. We won't we won't we won't stand for that. No. No, we won't stand for that. We're gonna have this attitude. If it didn't work, it's not because God didn't want it to work. If it didn't work, there must be a reason. And I need to know that reason so I can develop my prayer life and go on with my praying effectively. Now, I kind of felt in my own heart that there's only one way we can find out how we can all have a prayer life that gets results. It must be in God's holy word. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what people say. I'm convinced in my own heart that God's Word has the answer. 
I just want that attitude just to remain fervent in us. When I pray, I get answers. Now listen, the answer you may get may not be what you like. It may not be what you like. But I'd be more satisfied getting an answer that I don't like. And knowing this is what the Spirit of God has said than to keep on praying for another three weeks for the same thing that never comes into manifestation. You see what I'm saying? Well, let's just go on just for a minute. Religious praying has resulted in the development of certain attitudes that prevail in the body of Christ, not only toward God, but also toward prayer. For example... Here's one attitude that prevails in the body of Christ. And it's toward prayer and it's toward God. And it's the result of religious praying. If it be thy will. If it be thy will is born out of religious praying. The New Testament doesn't teach us about if it be thy will. As being a prayer we pray to get an answer from God concerning things that have been already revealed to us in His Word. It doesn't teach us that. If I don't know what God's will is in a certain situation, I must go to God's Word to find out what His will is. If His will has not been revealed in the Word, then I have a right to pray, if it be Thy will. Like if I need to go to a foreign country to minister the Word, and I don't know exactly where it is that the Lord would have me to go, then I have the right to pray, well, if it be thy will that I go to Africa, I'll go. But if it be thy will. Jesus only used that prayer as a prayer of consecration. He said, Father, if it be so, allow this cup to pass from me, but not mine will, thine be done. If it be thy will, let this cup but he knew it wasn't the will of the Father. He knew it wasn't the will of the Father. That cup passed from him. But he prayed in that light. Well, having this attitude towards God's holy word and towards prayer, actually towards God himself, is saying this. And it would do us good to note this. If I pray, if it be thy will concerning what the Father has already revealed to me in his word, such as to heal me, such as to clothe me, such as to feed me, then what we're actually doing religiously, without even knowing it, we are belittling our Father God. Because if I say, heal me, if it be thy will, if I say, clothe me, if it be thy will, if I say, provide for me, if it be thy will, if I say, help me in my finances, if it be thy will, if I say, help me in my business, if it be thy will, what I'm really saying in essence is this. Father, you can help me, but I don't know if you will to. And that's like a child going to his, his or her earthly parents in a, their time of need, where they may need finances, where they may need food, whatever the case may be, and uh, the daughter goes to the father and says, Father, we're hungry, me and the children. 
I know that you can provide some food for us. If it be thy will, please do. If my child ever said that to me, I'd be deeply hurt. I say, you had to ask me if I would provide food and clothing for you and your children when you know I have the means available? I'd be deeply hurt. You see, there's a difference here. God has the means available. And if He has the means, the available means whereby He can help me, that means He can. But if I say, if you will, that means you can, but you won't. Or I don't know that you will. And then if you don't get a result in prayer, do you know what actually happens? That person actually believes that the, that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ could help them in their time of need, but won't. Just refuses to. My brother and sister, what an indictment against our precious, loving, heavenly Father, to say you could, but you won't. I don't think I'd ever be found saying that kind of prayer. Oh, Father, you could heal me if it be thy will. That's like a child saying to his earthly parent, you could help me, but I don't know if you will too. What a terrible statement. But we've been religiously brainwashed and we've been religiously taught and so we thought, well, we've got to pray this way. Well, no. God can help us and God will help us. And when it comes to that kind of praying, I just want to quote to you the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, If you then, being evil, can give good gifts unto your children that ask you, how much more? Now notice he said, if you being evil can give good, can. In other words, even though we're natural human people, we still have the ability to give to our children in their time of need. Amen? And as far as, I believe we're all concerned if we have, if you're any kind of a father and mother at all, you'd probably do everything in your power and ability to see to it that you do provide their need. Well, Jesus said, how much more shall? Shall means will. Did you see that? How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Shall, will, will, shall. Not if it be thy will. See, he will. Amen. Well, we, we've stayed a little bit. Another attitude that prevails is when it comes to prayer in particular. And, and we see this happening too often. And it, actually, it, I, I get trouble over it. I admit it. I get trouble over it because I, I just don't like it. We get into this religious rut thinking that the more we pray about a certain thing, or the more we get to pray, the more people we get to pray about a certain thing, then 
God's going to answer. Call everybody up that you know. And have them call everybody up that they know. And just keep the chain going and rolling. And before you know it, we'll have thousands of people praying for brother or sister so-and-so. And if we can get enough to pray, then, bless God, we're going to get an answer. Well, no, that's just a result or a product of religious praying. Religious praying. And what it does, it gives us the attitude that, number one, God is deaf. God is deaf. Or, God needs persuasion. Well, if God is deaf, and the louder we get, and the harder we pray, and we've all been there. Oh, we've all been there. Oh, yeah, we've been there. Well, if that's the case, we should all get microphones when we pray. Amen. 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 But see, if you really give it serious thought, that leaves us with the attitude that, well, God's just deaf. He just can't hear too well, you know. So we all got to pray louder. Or the more we can get, the more people we can incorporate into this prayer. But we had, I mean, 1,400 people praying. There's just no possible way they could have not gotten an answer to prayer. But you see, we think this is so religious. What we're saying is God needs to be persuaded. If we can get 1,475, he'd have done it. But we only got 1,470, so forget it for this week. Keep on calling. But you see, that's not it. That's not it. No, we have not done what God's Word says to do concerning prayer. Now, two major reasons why these attitudes, now that's just a couple attitudes, but two major reasons why they exist, you know, in the church as a whole is because, number one, I'm not giving you formulas. I'm just giving you some things that the Spirit of God spoke to my heart. Number one is because we've not looked into the Word to find out what the Word says about prayer. We've not looked to the Word to see exactly what the Word says concerning prayer for ourselves. And number two, we've not listened to the Spirit concerning prayer. We've not looked to the Word and we've not listened to the Spirit. You see, it doesn't matter who we are. If we don't listen to the Word, if we do not listen to the Spirit, then we're praying apart from divine guidance or spiritual guidance in our prayer life. And if we don't know what that Word says, and if we don't know what the Spirit is saying, we are praying out of our heads, without spiritual guidance, expecting to get spiritual results. And if I'm not following what God's Word says, I'm not following what the Spirit of God says, how is it that I could expect to get results? See, getting results is the name of the game, isn't it? I said, when it comes to prayer, getting results is the name of the game. Well, 
if I'm not getting results, and I don't care if that result is just to get your head healed from a small headache. Personally, I do not take lightly not getting a result in prayer. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. I do not take it lightly. And if you were wise, you wouldn't take it lightly and just walk off away from your prayer life and say, well, I didn't get an answer to prayer. We'll just try it next time. Well, you might as well forget it because next time is going to roll around and you're still not going to get a result to prayer. And the next time is going to roll around. See, we do not have faith accidents all the time. We do not get results in prayer because we just bump along the way, you know, as we go and just something happens and things work together and all of a sudden we get an answer to our prayer. That's not what it's all about. The Father wants us to be accurate and pray with comprehensive insight and understanding concerning His Word and concerning the move of the Spirit in our lives when it comes to prayer. Prayer means, a part of prayer means that we have an answer to what we prayed. We have a result in what we prayed about. And if we don't get a result, we need to change and do something about it. And if we don't change and do something about it, then we're not going to get a result the next time. Let's just, just for a minute, just for a moment, make this statement. We cannot, this is something I wrote down, Spirit of God, help me out. We cannot develop an effective prayer life apart from laying a solid foundation in line with God's Word and learning to listen to the Spirit of God. We cannot. We cannot, number one, develop an effective prayer life apart from laying a solid foundation in our life concerning God's Word in the area of prayer. We cannot. And we'll never, never, never enter into a place that our prayers will always be answered, as Jesus said here, never, unless we learn to move with the Holy Spirit. See, praying apart from the Word, apart from the Spirit, is praying apart from spiritual guidance and understanding. Praying apart from spiritual guidance and understanding is praying in the dark. Praying in the dark is not going to produce light results. It just can't happen. Well, what does God's Word teach us about prayer? Well, let's put it this way. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, you write this down because it will bless you. It's blessing me. God's Word contains the general revealed will, purpose, and plan of God for our lives. God's holy word in itself contains the general, revealed will, purpose, and plan of God for our lives. Prayer is intelligently going to the Father according to His word that He has revealed to us in His purpose, plan, and will for our lives. And when something is not lining up to what God has purposed, planned, or willed, and we know that it's not lining up, then we go to Him in prayer and we state our case before Him intelligently according unto His holy word. Faith makes prayer work. 
our central truth for this teaching is this fact. Faith makes prayer work. Prayer, if you need to get healed and you think you're going to get healed by prayer alone, well, see, we've got another thought coming. Prayer is not going to get us healed. No, because prayer does not make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. Faith is a product of hearing God's Word. And if I don't know what God's Word has said about prayer, I cannot have a foundation laid in my life for an effective prayer life. It's impossible. But if I know what God's Word has said, then I can come to Him accurately and intelligently according unto His Word, listening to what His Word said, and then acting accordingly. Then I see His purpose, His plan, and His will, and I go to Him according unto His Word, and I say, Father, You said. You said. See, if I don't have a Father, You said, then I don't have much of a leg to stand on. But if I have Father, You said, then I have a foundation upon which to base my faith. Because God's only going to honor what He said either written form or by His Spirit. If He said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll make it good. He is not responsible to finish anything He didn't start. If He didn't say it in His Word, then He's not responsible to bring it to pass. If He doesn't agree by His Spirit, then it's not His job to bring it to manifestation. But if I have His Word for it, then I can come to Him intelligently acting upon His Word, believing that He must honor His Word and answer my prayer. Then I get a result. Secondly, it is the Spirit's responsibility to guide us, to teach us, to instruct us, and to speak unto us whatsoever He hears about from the Father about our lives. And... Since God's Word contains His general revealed will, purpose, and plan for our lives, and since the Spirit of God has been sent unto us to guide us, to instruct us, and to teach us, and direct us, even into our prayer lives, then we must learn, as an absolute truth, we must learn that praying apart biblical, scriptural prayer Unto God, based upon our own purpose, our own will, and our own plan. And when we start doing that, beloved, it's when we start deifying ourselves up higher than God. We make ourselves a God to ourselves. This is what I want, Lord. Well, what's your basis for asking me? It's just what I want. If it's not in line or harmony with His Spirit and Word, we have no business asking Him for any of it. And here's where people have misused and abused prayer privileges of pray, praying apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All this, as I said, is a result of what kind of praying? Religious praying. We become so religious in our prayer life. Beloved, I believe it's going to take God's Word to set us free. 
I want you just to see some things very quickly that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus came to the earth representing the express image of God. He came to the earth representing the plan, the purpose, and the will of God. He is our ideal. He is our example. He is our teacher. The Spirit will always lead us in line with and in harmony with that which is spoken in God's holy word. Jesus started to teach over here in Matthew chapter 5 in His Sermon on the Mount concerning the subject of prayer. Up until this time, man knew very little about prayer. Why? Because God didn't say a whole lot about it. He said a little bit about it back in the Old Testament. But Jesus came and from His lips proceeded to flow forth these words that would instruct and teach us, His people, concerning the subject of prayer. And in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, here's exactly what He said. Now, He's teaching us. The first thing He says, or He mentions about prayer, is, But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them. Everybody say, pray for them. Pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you. I want you to notice that Jesus, the very first thing He said or began to teach about prayer, about our praying, is don't pray for yourself. Don't be selfish in your prayer life. Pray for your enemies. I mean, that's the last place I think I'd start praying in the morning when I first got up. Oh, Lord, I just want you to bless this fellow that broke our windows Oh, hallelujah. And you know that guy that called me a young whippersnapper the other day? Oh, I mean, I want you to make his day, Lord. Heap upon him blessings untold. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And you know how my boss chewed me out last night before I come home? I want you to see to it that his wife makes him the best meal when he gets home. Bless him, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's fess up. We've not done it. We've not done it. We've been so religious, so religious in our prayer life that we just said, now, Lord, you know how they're doing this to me. This is me. You know, I'm your beloved. Me. I come unto you. Help me, Lord, from that maniac. Oh, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. And you know what I say? If we don't learn to start first praying for our enemies, you might as well forget your prayer life. But you say, why would he make such an assertion? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because praying for your enemies will do more for you spiritually than praying for yourself. When you start praying for your enemies, a change will start to take place in here and the love of God will rise up. As a matter of fact, if I've, I'm, I'm going to read this in context. Why? Verse 45, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. There you go. Anybody here want to be like your Father? Look at verse 48. So be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I have that marked down in that first Bible I ever had, written there, underlined, said right there. I wrote in there, if you want to be perfect like your Father, and if you want to be a, children, a child of, of your Most High, 
Father, then do this. Do this. Do this. I said, yes, sir. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, I thought being perfect like him was going to be just, you know, really, really, really something really great. Yes, love your enemies. Pray for them. Well, that there goes a lot of religion right out the window. Especially in church. Church people, oh, they just, I don't know why it is. They fuss and fight. Yeah, but Jesus said, pray for my enemies, not my brothers and sisters. The Lord will heal our, heal our toes also. If he said to pray for my enemy, you better believe he told me to love you. He that is begotten of God loves him that also is begotten of God, his brothers and sisters in the Lord with the same purpose, same love. We see one another in the eyes of love. There's no difference with the body of Christ. Equal. And we should love one another that way. Well, he goes on to say in, in uh, chapter 6, he starts out by saying, Jesus does, concerning your prayer life, to pray first of all for your enemies. But now notice this. He said in chapter 6 and verse 5, he said, if I could just summarize, avoid hypocritical praying. Avoid hypocritical praying. Well, what's hypocritical praying? And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They have their what? You know why some people don't get their prayers answered? You already got your reward. The way he's praying. See? The way we pray will determine whether or not we get our reward from heaven or get our reward by men. What was their reward that they had? Somebody saw them. That's why I say if you sing, preach, or testify, or whatever you do for the Lord, if you do it to be seen of men, you have a reward. And when you get to heaven, there won't be any for you. And when it comes to divine, divine intervention, you won't know how to get it. Don't be, as the hypocrites, he tells them right off the bat. He's telling these people that are su supposedly religious people and supposedly know how to pray. But he corrects their praying. Don't be like them. Now, you church people, you thought that fellow was just so spiritual because you saw him stand there, you know, just praying up a storm. He said he was just doing it so you could see him. He's got his reward. You all saw him and said, what a great man he is. And when he, if he makes it to heaven, there won't be any reward for him. He goes on to say, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. You know, even in public, you can enter into your closet. That's what he's saying. Even in public, in a synagogue, if you're going to pray, just get into your own little closet, make an imaginary line or closet right around you and just start praying. And he went on to say this, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. There are more people that miss out when it comes to getting their prayers answered because they're always talking about what they're praying for. Prayer is to be secretive, intimate between you and your Father. When I had a need, when I was down at school, my wife and I were at school, attending Grandma Bible Training Center, there wasn't anybody around me that knew it. Nobody knew it. No one knew it. 
No. He says, don't be like the, the hypocrites. What else do they do? Well, verse 7, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not there, ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is not a New Testament prayer. This is not a prayer for the church today. It is a model prayer. We can look at what's being said here. It was said for the moment, for the time that Jesus walked upon the face of the earth. Yet churches today have incorporated this prayer into their prayer life, and it's not scriptural. Why? Because the kingdom has already come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom has already come, so his will can be done, and we're not to pray that way anymore. You can see in the next part, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. No, that was under the law. We can't forgive, he can't forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. No, if book of Ephesians, what does it tell us? Forgive you one another, be kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God hath forgiven us for Christ's sake. That's grace. That's not works of the law. I'm to forgive for Christ's sake. Not because I forgive my, as they forgive me. Or I forgive them. See, that was a, that was a prayer for them at, at the hour, and it's a model prayer. But that's not how we pray. Why? What was our scripture in John 16? What did it say? And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask my Father in my name, he will give it to you. This prayer does not have the name of Jesus in it. So this prayer is not New Testament. It is a model prayer. We could learn from it, but it's not New Testament. We're not to pray this. Actually, there's anybody in the New Testament body of Christ today that should ever use this prayer in vain repetitions. And he went on to say, because they think because of their much speaking, they're going to get a prayer answered. And what do we say? If we just get a thousand people to pray, we're going to get a prayer answered. No, no, no. What did Jesus have to say about a large amount of people praying? See, so we can get off the religious side of it. What did Jesus say? Well, Jesus said, look at it in Matthew chapter... You're there in Matthew. Look it over there in Matthew chapter 18. What did Jesus say? Matthew 18, 19. What did Jesus say about prayer? What did Jesus say about asking the Father for something that you have need of? Again... Matthew 18, 19. I say unto you. What? Well, that if two. How many? Well, we become so religious. How many? Two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. It might. Oh. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. What did he say? If, 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 if. What's the condition? If, if what? Two shall agree. Not if 32,000 can pray. If what?
You know it's harder to get two agree than it is to get 32,000 to pray? Did you know that? I said it's harder to get two agree, two agree than it is to get 32,000 to pray. If prayer did it, I guarantee you we'd get more answers. Prayer does not do it. No, prayer is not the answer. Someone says, I'm just praying to God I get my healing. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not New Testament prayer. See, the central truth of this message is faith makes prayer work. Prayer doesn't make faith work. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. Unless I have a foundation in God's Word concerning prayer, and I lay that foundation in my life, what Jesus said about prayer, if I don't know what Jesus said about prayer, I am praying in the dark. If I'm praying in the dark, I'm not praying in the light. I am praying unenlightened. And prayer alone is not enough. For prayer must be based on God's Word. For Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, then ye shall, what? Ask. You say, but we agreed, the two of us, and it didn't happen. Hold on. Then Jesus lied. No. The truth of the matter is this. He's talking about not two people just getting together and praying. He's talking about two spirits, spiritually enlightened, with the foundation concerning God's holy word and prayer, knowing the will of God concerning prayer, and then joining them two spirits together in such a way that they shall never be torn apart, spiritual agreement, and if they'll hold on in faith, believing, then whatever they prayed will come to pass. If it didn't come to pass, they didn't agree. This is the attitude we must hold. It's too easy to walk up and say, well, God just didn't want to do it. No, no. That comes from religious praying. Say, I evidently didn't do it right. And then you know what happened? You'd be a candidate for the Holy Ghost to teach you how to do it right. But if you walk off and say, well, I prayed, it just didn't work. No, no. That's making us up above God. Jesus said, if you agree, it shall be done. It what? Shall be done. I want to make a statement. I believe it's very important. That one scripture we saw there in John chapter 15, go to it one more time. Just look at it one more time, real quick. I want to say this, because I believe it's so, and I don't know how come I ever got off from this stuff. You're not going to find me deviating much from faith in God's Word anymore. You know why? Because faith is a tender plant. Faith cannot stand the harsh winds of sense knowledge that we face every day in life. And if your tender plant of faith gets destroyed, you won't be able to contact God. Do you know, beloved, that if we cannot get a hold of God in our time of need, if we cannot employ the power of God to meet our need, if we can't get an answer to prayer in our time of need, if we cannot get our body healed when we need healing, if we cannot get our marriage straightened out when it needs straightened out, when we cannot get our finances working right when they need to be, if we cannot get our children delivered when they need to be, if we cannot, myself included, when we cannot get answers to our prayers, all the knowledge we have of God's Word is of little value. You can be the greatest intellectual theologian that ever walked the face of the earth, but when you say, I need help, and you can't get him to help you, 
And let me say it like this. Prayer is not getting God to help us. Prayer is allowing the power of God to flow. It's not getting Him to help us. That's another attitude that prevails. If I could just get God to help me. God wants to help you more than, and me more than we want Him to. If we could just learn to allow the power of God. Prayer, then, is allowing God to move on our behalf through divine or supernatural intervention so that we can benefit from His love and power to us who believe. That statement I want to make in John 15, 7 is this. Prayer results depend more upon what we do than what God does. Getting results to prayer, getting answers to our prayers, involves more of what we do than it does of what He does. I want to show that to you in this verse of Scripture. Look in verse, look closely. Matter of fact, if you, if you haven't done it, circle or underline everywhere you see the word you. If ye, now in our English language we don't say ye, we say you. Jesus is speaking. He says, if you, so circle that word, you. The if is up to you, not up to God. If you abide in me, and my words abide in who? You. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto... There's five you's in there. Did you get that? There's five you's. See, you want prayer. You want guidance in your life. So you thought, well, if I just get alone with God, oh, Father, direct me. Hallelujah. Direct. No. See, that's wrong. Going into prayer apart from God's Word is wrong. What I do is going to determine whether or not I get my prayer answered. And prayer is based on God's Word. So in other words, I need to find out what God's Word says. I need to find out what He said about guidance in my life. Not just go and spend 14 hours in prayer. No. Go to the Word. Father, You said, Howbeit when He the Spirit of truth has come, He would guide you in all the truth. You said that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. You said they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you abide in me, and my words abide where? In you. Then ye shall ask. Do you see that? So in other words, prayer results primarily come because of what we do. And I'm going to show you why. God has done everything He's ever going to do about all of our needs. Let's, let's pretend like we're, we're not even saved. Not too long, but let's just pretend for a second. <laughs> okay? What is your need? Salvation. I prayed 
for 24 years. Oh, Lord, don't let me go to hell. Oh, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I pray. I said, I I pray that someday, someday, I'll be counted worthy to go to your kingdom. I pray someday I'll be able to go to heaven with you. You know you must be born again? Get away, you bother me. I pray. I pray. Can't you see I'm praying to God? I pray that Jesus said you must be born again. Forget it. You got your religion. I pray. I pray, Lord. Being born again, not of a couple of seed, but of a couple by the Word of God, doesn't about it forever. Forget it. I pray, Lord. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn down there. I'm 17 years old. Lord. I'm 18. Lord. I'm 19. Lord. I'm 20. 21. I'm 24 years old, Lord. I don't want to go to hell. Did you know you must be born again? Huh? What did you say? You want to go to heaven? Yeah. Been wanting to for 24 years and been praying about it. No, I hadn't. I was rejecting. But, brother, I want healing. I want you to pray for me. Got a Bible? Forget it. Just I want you to pray for me. Well, I just want to show you here something Jesus said. Oh, that's nice. Pray for me. Well, you're doing the same thing I just did about salvation. My need of salvation and being saved was more, that result to prayer was based on more what I was doing than what God, God was trying to get me saved for 24 years. I wasn't listening. My heart was right. I was sincere. Someone came with the truth and said, you got to be born again. You know what my first response was to that question? Just I didn't even know Nicodemus who he was. I said, I was born once. Isn't that enough? How many have told you that? But I want to go to heaven, Lord. No, that's not prayer. That prayer doesn't get a result. But I'll tell you, someone came along, I was praying in the dark. Someone came along and enlightened me as to what God said in His Word. If thou shalt believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. And no longer did I say, oh, Lord. I just wanted him and said, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead for me. Jesus, I take you as my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. I was saved right there. I spent 24 years, dear Lord, I could have been saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues, and a living epistle living Christ for all them years. Was it God's fault? May I say something so important? What if I had died? See, some people get upset when someone dies and you say, well, they just a little more time, they could have got healed. Yeah, well, you know, some die before they get saved. Brother, Brother McPeak back there share, share, share with us that uh, one night he brought a son to the altar. Fellow, it's time to get saved. And he said, Well, I'm going. Not just yet, pretty soon. You know, his death came before it pretty soon did. 
Isn't that right? His death came first. I believe the Holy Ghost is working on us. I said, I believe the Holy Ghost is working on us. I said, I believe he was getting to that point. I also believe that the devil was working against him and took his life before he confessed Jesus as Savior. And I need not tell you what that results in, do I? Now, we become very religious in our prayer. We think we can just say, well, Lord, help me. And if he does, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. That's not prayer. Prayer is based upon God's word. Do you know something Jesus said in Matthew? Go back to Matthew chapter 21. I shared with you just the other day what Jesus said about prayer for the lost. Jesus said about praying for the lost, Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest send forth laborers into his harvest. Didn't he? You know, we've struggled and prayed and cried unto God and said, Oh, Lord, save. But you know what he said to pray? You know, when we start acting on God's Word and doing what God's Word says, then the Holy Ghost is going to give you something. There are those that endeavor to get out in certain areas of prayer, but they're not doing what God's Word says to do. Do you know what happens when we do that? We get into the area where we can get caught up with wrong spirits. I'm very conscious of this. You know, if you're praying for somebody and the Holy Ghost isn't taking hold together with you against, and you already know inside you that you shouldn't be praying that way, we continue on praying that way. Who are you praying to? I said, who are we praying to? I remember one time, and hold your thought right there real quick if I can get this out. I remember one time I was, I, I was called. Some question things like this here, but you know, we can't go against God. I know what God's perfect plan and program and will is in His Word. It's, it's that we all can live out our full days on this earth and, and go home without sickness and disease and fulfill His perfect plan and will for our lives. But you know, not every circumstance of life enables that to happen. And this baby, is, 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 when I got the call, as far as I knew, was on a life support system. This baby was already really dead. If you really give it serious thought, was on a life support system, but wasn't breathing or anything else for itself. And, and, and they said, why don't you come up here and pray? So I went up there, got on my knees in the waiting room with, with the, I mean, frantic. The people are frantic. Sure, the mother, the father, the family, the grandmother, the grandparents. And they're all frantic. They would be. But I got on my knees and I said, oh, Father. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And a voice came unto me and said, he's, he's gone. He's here with me. He's not coming back. Now, I want to show you just how stupid I was, if I could call myself stupid. Ignorant is a better word to, to, to God's word. I couldn't tell that to that family. They're wanting you to come along and tell them, yeah, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's pray and confess God's word. You know what my heart was like right at that moment? I had another preacher there. Let's go on down. We're going to go on down to the sanctuary. We're going to pray up a storm. Who are we praying to? We did. Spent an hour down there. Did you ever wash your feet with your socks on? Yuck. That's what my gut felt like. I had nothing in my belly. But, oh, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, glory. And down here I knew. Who are you praying to? Who are you praying for? This baby. Now, Lord, well, didn't I just speak to you and say he's not coming back? Yeah? But your word says, Lord, now, the word says we can have long life. Yeah, but there's also conditions in my word that guarantee long life. 
And my spirit just told you that he's not coming back. Now, why, Lord? I'm not revealing that to you. It's none of your business. Oh. So now you go ahead and pray for about three more weeks, four more weeks. You know who you're going to get a hold of? You may get a hold of a wrong spirit. Leave it. Leave it. Don't try to make God do something. That's not what prayer is all about. There are so many things to know when it comes to prayer, like conditions, conditional things, unconditional things. You can, you can change something that's unconditional, but when it's, I'm, I'm sorry, when it's conditional, but when it's unconditional, you can't change anything. David fasted and prayed for that baby to be raised up. Do you know what? He wasted seven days. Why? Because there was no way. You could fast and pray all you want. Saul prayed to try to get back to God after he was rejected of being king for the last time. Rejected. He can pray from, from now forever if he ever lived that long in a human body. You know what? He'd never be king again. Why? Spirit of the Lord departed from us. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.